passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, December 26th, 2021. I'm joined from my immediate south, the everyman, of WrestleNomics, Chris Cullo. Hello. Hello, it's uh, it's great to be here, and we have a huge show for you as we're going to kind of talk about the biggest stories of 2021, and that's going to actually include uh, WB and Peacock making the agreement that they did, the return to live touring, is it the end of Ring of Honor, the uh, return of CM Punk to professional wrestling and signing with AEW, Christina uh, Salem uh, resigning from her position, and the, the end of the Wednesday Night War and much more also, the launch NXT 2.0. Plus, we're going to discuss, can the wrestling business learn something from Succession and Yellowstone? And much more here on this December 26th edition. Have you started watching Succession? I believe you you expressed some plans, intention yes. to watch Succession. I haven't got to yet, but I have started watching Yellowstone. Really? Yes. What do you think of Mostly because the prequel really caught my interest, but I feel like I have to watch the regular show before I watch the prequel. What is the prequel? It's called 1883, and it's oh, I saw it really based, yeah, on like the ranching industry, like in the midst of Western expansion, which I'm very fascinated from that era, and I've read a lot of books and watched a lot of documentaries on it. So it's got uh, what's that? Sam Elliott is in that. Yes, like that's his entire career. Is he's just in westerns? I think for, for the most part. I mean, uh, yeah, he he plays a rancher or a cowboy. <laughs> pretty much what he does, or he talks to Big Lebowski. Yeah. Uh. So. It's the day after Christmas now. How was your Christmas, Chris Gullo? My Christmas was good. We're still kind of continuing a celebration. I have family actually. Well, my wife's family coming over after we uh, record today. So oh, I uh, thought you were going to say they're in the house right now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, sit- they're sitting on the other side of the door. They want to know everything about WrestleNomics. <laughs> are, they, are they from out of town? No, it's 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 her cousin and his uh, family, and uh, they live in Lockport, though. So if you live in Buffalo, that's pretty. You're out of that's out of town. that's out of town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's out of town. That's a that's a different that's a different continent basically. Um, did you get any wrestling related gifts or other interesting? Uh, gifts? I did not actually. A lot really? of comic book related gifts, but I actually didn't get any wrestling related gifts this year. I got an I got a a shirt that says Puroresu, 
All Japan Pro Wrestling. That's awesome. I know that's uh, right up your alley. I got, I forget the name of the artist. I got a huge poster of um, all these cartoon drawings of like hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers. People listening might know what I'm talking about. This artist from the UK. Is it Hal Haney? I don't think so. Okay. I like Hal Haney's pieces. They're really cool. Uh, I, f- I forget the name of the artist. I think he's done similar uh, big, big portraits for, for other, for other sports and things like that. Yeah. There's like, there's even like a, a you know, every wrestler you can imagine is in it. There's even like May Young giving birth to a hand and Mark Henry there. So, so we are going to talk about all of the year's events, the biggest stories of 2021. And I think if you look back on 2021, this was really the year of the cons, you could say. No relation, <laughs> Tony and Nick. But it was, I think it really was. Um, Nick Khan coming into more influence or asserting his influence. AEW separating itself from the pack among, you know, from, from NXT, which we'll talk about. Um, NXT, AEW becoming stronger. Dynamite becoming more comparable in the demo to Raw. But yeah, I think it really was, if you could summarize this year and all these topics we're going to talk about, this was really kind of the year of the cons, 2021. So we're going to go somewhat in chronological order here. How does it begin? Yeah. Well, before we do, uh, just for those of watching uh, live on YouTube, we have the super chat feature. And I know we're going to get a lot of probably questions or prediction, you know, Ask us for more predictions, probably to follow up on what we talked about last week. So you can do that with the super chat feature. Starts at a dollar. Donate whatever you think is is uh, worthy, and uh, we will answer your question here on the uh, WrestleNomics YouTube feed for today. Mm-hmm. But we will get right into it, and, and we'll start with a story that broke January twenty fifth, two thousand twenty one, and that was the agreement uh, for WWE to move at least their. Uh, American uh, W network over to Peacock, the whole library. And, uh, and now there is, you know, and now with we're about a year in, in this and uh, it's different. And some of the things that were promised happened, some things that weren't promised didn't, but uh, it was a big deal because it was another huge money deal for WWE. And, and from Brandon, I think you said definitely making more than what they were doing off the the network. Yeah. It's, it's guaranteed money, which is not what the direct consumer network is, right? This is NBC Universal, their current partner that, that is a broadcaster of Raw, of NXT, of Miz and Mrs. That partner guaranteeing we're going to pay you probably in escalating a little bit more each year, but an average over five years, $200 million every year. So you don't have to worry about whether or not subscribers are going to be up or down. Your money is guaranteed, which is great for your business, great for your investors. It makes your business more more predictable. And you can do probably do better financial planning that way because you don't have to worry about the volatility of network subscribers, uh, at least in the U.S., which is about 70% of them. Um, it's uh, what, what's, what, what was promised that is not there? I think the, I don't uh, think the whole library was there in August. Um, I think it was mostly the, there. Not, not everything is there. The hidden gems never made it over. True. So stuff like the, the Battle of Atlanta and stuff like that did not make it 
over there. I mean, not huge promises, but for the wrestling geeks like me, uh, you know, stuff that I, I wanted to see. And now you pretty much go to YouTube for again, because people are putting it on YouTube. Um, or a lot of people did the VPN trick yeah. of using it to be networked in another country. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think still to this day, searching something is very difficult. They go by seasons. Yes. On, and which is really annoying. And, and honestly, just trying to find something like I have, I can't just type in AWA super clash 88. I have to like jump through a bunch of hoops and the original network. Cause that's what I most recently, the watched. original network had a, had not a great search feature, but a better one, right? Yes. Yeah. A better one, a standard streaming one. Yes. It's cheaper now though, but you have to watch it with ads for $5 a month rather than $10 a month, or you can pay the $10 and uh, get it ad free. But along with all this, you're getting access to everything on Peacock. Do you watch anything else on Peacock, Chris Gullo? I don't think I do. We watched Dr. Death. Mm. Um, There's a story about, about it. it was like Steve a surgeon, Williams. but he was like a serial killer. Steve, yeah. Steve Williams. Well, he, he had, was not had a great so tag killer, team with like, um, Terry Gordy. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> no, not, not that Dr. Death. <laughs> Uh, it was a drama series with a, a like I said, a, a guy, a doctor at Dimmel practice on purpose. Mm. Um, but uh, also watched uh, uh, a couple Christmas movies this year were on Peacock. Mm. So like you type in the Christmas movie in your Roku search engine. Oh, there it's on Peacock. So, but I haven't really watched anything else. I don't watch the Saved by the Bell reboot or old episodes of The Office or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I guess. One of the big questions going forward is W going to make similar deals around the rest of the world. Um, Comcast owns Sky. Peacock has some sort of, um, I guess that's not really relevant that they own Sky because they're not really dealing with Sky anymore um, in the UK. Uh, But Peacock has some sort of presence in the UK. I understand. Maybe our UK listeners can can, uh, update us on what that is. But I I think Peacock is now available um, in the UK, but W is not a part of it. Someone will surely tweet me if, if I'm right or wrong about that. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's certainly the only way to, um, to subscribe to, to the W network through Peacock is in the U.S. I know there's, there's kind of some similar setups uh, in, in other countries, like in India, through Sony Live uh, at, at a lower price that is more appropriate for their economy. Uh, you can get access to the W network through Sony Live, which is a streaming service in India. Um Leaving Canada, the only way to subscribe to the W Network is through Rogers. Um, so that's one of the big opportunities for growth. Peacock, someone says Peacock is not here yet. I assume in the chat, I assume they're referring to the UK. Um, but uh, that's one of the big opportunities for growth that we don't really know the answer to. People ask about it on the um, on the uh, the earnings call often. It's acknowledged as an opportunity for growth where, where Nick Khan can make some sort of deal in an international market for access to everything that the W Network provides. Um, but that's not happened yet. I think another interesting aspect here is um, the lack of any extra content really coming to the network. I guess there has, has been the, the ruthless aggression thing, but just uh, people have pointed out the Lex Luger documentary that was advertised did not end up being released. Nope. The um, Who's the super fan? That's in the, like the front row of every show. There's supposed to be a Vladimir Vlad, the super fan. There's supposed to be a documentary. There's like a trailer that they aired on, on, you know, a pay-per-view or something for that. That never came out. It appears that 
maybe maybe the thought is to hold that stuff back and i don't know maybe there's another season of the a and e biography series for w or something like that in the future um why put that out on the network when that doesn't bring any extra value to you know to you when you can maybe license that content to an a and e or or elsewhere uh for for additional revenue so i'm guessing that's what the thought is behind that that's not to and i may have been told that that's that's why they're doing that but that that would be my guess um we're also seeing the pay-per-view schedule this year or the, this coming year in 2022 um, really getting stripped down to 12 pay-per-views a year, which isn't, isn't necessarily a, a bad thing in my view from a creative standpoint, but uh, why, why, why do more than 12 when the money's guaranteed? You don't need to go above and beyond and do extraordinary things to try to maintain and attract subscribers when the money is guaranteed. Um, other things that come to mind here, there seems to be uh, at some point when when Peacock was uh, hyping up how successful they were and how, how many subs they had, they had gained, um, that WWE was a big driver of of subscribers for them. Uh, I, I do believe and I do buy that WrestleMania was the most watched WrestleMania ever because more people had access to it than ever, um, you know, exceeding when it was the most watched ever in the early years, probably the early year of the early years of, of the W network, um, or probably that the 2018 WrestleMania, uh, when W hit its peak in subscribers, but this probably exceeded it this past year's WrestleMania, just because so many, so many homes have access to Peacock just as part of their Comcast package, because they happen to be Comcast cable customers. Uh, in addition to all the people who probably, subscribed to Peacock, at least the $5 tier, because they wanted access to to the W Network, or they didn't necessarily care that much about WWE, but maybe a few of them checked out WrestleMania anyway. So more reach than ever for what that's worth. That's good for their ad business and for all those ads, not just the the, the mid-rolls uh, that, that you see when you watch the library content, but the ads that they air during pay-per-views. A big contrast this year between AEW pay-per-views and WWE pay-per-views has been... <laughs> You know, there's basically no commercials airing during AEW pay-per-views that I can think of. Um, but there's, you know, these pay-per-views have become very much like regular TV shows in terms of the ads that you see between, you know, and the breaks between the, the, the segments of content, um, which is a way that WWE sharing that that ad revenue, it seems, with Peacock is is uh, growing their ads and sponsors line within their media division, which is a, a line that we see reported on in earnings calls. Um, what else? Well, real quick, just to add that too, we saw a huge, I'd say, increase in in-show advertising this year as well. Yes. Product placement and... Uh, Zombies. You, you know, we saw... <laughs> we saw the zombies and we saw the egg from Red Notice. I, I'm Pizza pretty Hut. sure like Boogs, the guy that's with Nakamura, he started as like a Miss Old Spice guy, like like character. That, that sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. What if this here's a but great yeah, idea. Here, here, Stephanie, I hope you're listening. What if <laughs> not just moments and matches, but not not just uh integrating it wonderfully into the content. But what if you had an entire WWE superstar who is based on one of your partner's brands? What if you had, you know, a, a, a KFC Colonel Sanders WWE superstar 
who is just the mascot for one of your partner's brands. How awesome and and how how activating uh, that would be. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? The the the, uh, the the two cans. I want two can Sam as a oh. WWE character. <laughs> like great idea. Um, just a real quick, just a hit to the chat on YouTube. Uh, we have probably multiple listeners from the UK as they're uh, commenting on it. They said it became available on Sky, but WWE isn't included. And uh, another uh, listener said it's a sub tier of Sky for the original content they offer, not a standalone streaming service. So, and they, you know, and that guy also commented that he doesn't believe it will happen in a full capacity over there. So, and then another commenter talked about the Pizza Hut Battle Royal. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. But yeah, um, the, 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 yeah, I, uh, it, it's been interesting and, uh, I just hope they make searching easier as time goes on and we'll see, will this be the year of Peacock being available with WB content in more countries? Will that be stories we're covering in 2022? We'll see. I mean, it, it depends on what Peacock does. I, I, I don't see it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think Peacock is going to be widely distributed across the globe. We'll, we'll see, but, um. Yeah, I think I think W's gonna try to make deals with with other it probably is trying to make deals currently with with other streaming platforms around the world. I, I guess another thing to think about going forward is what what becomes of Peacock. Peacock is not exactly breaking out as one of the leading new streaming services. Um Disney Plus, I hear, is doing very well, although their subscribers have stalled. Um Netflix is the leader. Um, Netflix, I don't think is going to get involved in wrestling, at least not in ring wrestling. Um, and you know, Amazon prime has enormous reach, but it's, I don't know that people are really using it relative to its reach. Like, like the others, uh, just because people subscribe to Amazon prime for other reasons, like the shipping, um, and the, the consumer products aspect of Amazon prime. Um, but it's very possible that, you know, in, in maybe not next year, but in the, in the years to come that. Peacock just doesn't have enough subscribership to sustain on its own, and it has to bundle with another uh, streaming platform, or it even has to maybe NBC Universal uh, gets gets acquired or acquires or merges with with another player out there, which could have all sorts of implications for the for the wrestling business. You know, um, I, I don't know if the FCC would approve something like this, but maybe let's say Viacom, CBS, and NBC Universal. Uh, end up merging maybe comcast spins it off or something like that um it's just not clear to me that that peacock is going to break out uh but maybe as time goes on these all these streaming services pick up enough subscribers to become sustainable but we'll see all right uh we're gonna move on to our next story 2021 and that's ring of honor and that news began on October 27th, uh, 2021, that uh, Ring of Honor, and this is this is a statement just to refresh everyone's memory, throughout the pandemic, our top priority is to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning to pivot, uh, pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. This year will culminate with final battle in December and we'll be taking uh, the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has the most dedicated fans in the industry and we appreciate the loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize ROH. 
We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. And also what happened with that was everybody who was on contracts were released immediately or they kept some, I believe, until paying to the first quarter of 2022. But uh, we are seeing the effects of that, some of those talents appearing elsewhere already. Um, as well as this happening on the cusp of a story we'll talk about later with WWE releasing as many talents as it did yeah, in 2021. So I'm trying to think who who from Ring of Honor has now appeared elsewhere. Jay Lethal is in AEW now. Are there others? Josh Woods has showed up on AEW Dark. Okay. Anybody um, else come to mind? Uh, TV-wise, Gre- Gresham's announced for Impact's Hard to Kill pay-per-view in January. Okay. Where he's defending the Ring of Honor title. Right. He's defending the Ring of Honor title around in places like GCW even, right? Yeah. Yes. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's running his amusement on the Ring of Honor talents. Gresham is running there his is own the, show that I that I hear about, Terminus. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> um so we're seeing a little bit and not not a lot of people pop it up. But, well, I mean, they were already kind of there, but Taven and Be- Mike Bennett seem to be a regulars now in in NWA. So mm-hmm. so I, I mean, my feeling about Ring of Honor, as we talked about a, a few times over the years, is that I or a few times over the year is that this is a, a, a brand that had had a window of opportunity um, in 17 or so. Uh, you can really look at how Ring of Honor was, was sort of uh, used to, to New Japan's advantage. New Japan and Ring of Honor partnered beginning around 2013, I think. And New Japan uh, used Ring of Honor to to its advantage in this partnership to introduce a lot of its talent to the U.S. market, to U.S. wrestling fans. And New Japan made a run at uh, being a global company or at least uh, running a lot of shows in the, in the U.S. and attracting subscribers in the U.S. to do New Japan World. New Japan is another story, though, and I think we'll touch on that later. Um, but Ring, Ring of Honor really had a window of opportunity, but didn't really have the ambition or Sinclair did not authorize the funds or or put the leadership in place to to execute on that. Um, instead, we had people like Hunter Johnston and uh, and and Bully Ray in charge for and, uh, Hunter Johnston for a long time in, in, in uh, Ring of Honor and and somebody like Bully Ray uh, gaining power in Ring of Honor uh, and Ring of Honor not not growing that much as a result. And the pandemic certainly didn't help, didn't help any of these companies, really, except for WWE and maybe AEW in terms of um, saving them money on production cost. But uh, it's a it's a Ring of Honor is a company that its attendance started to fall from, well, in, in 19, it definitely fell. And I think its buzz fell and the interest and the energy that that it had in wrestling fandom fell. and. Uh, the the releasing of all the talent along with what we'll talk about in a moment with w releasing talent uh has really it's diminished the power or the leverage that that wrestling talent uh has had where where i really think it was it was at its peak around 2019 or 2020 when uh there was a lot of competition and demand for wrestling talent and, uh, you know, it's and this might have, have came with, you know, AEW being created. But I think with Ring of Honor, this was the perception in 2021 and uh, a perception that started before 2021 was they were always undoubtedly number three. There was no like, oh, this could be number three or that could be number three. Like it was always Ring of Honor was number three throughout the whole 2000s when it was WWE and TNA or even if you swap out New Japan at that point, because TNA was at a lower level, Ring of Honor was number three. 
Uh, and now the wrestling landscape's kind of changed. You have multiple promotions on television, and Ring of Honor wasn't undoubtedly number three anymore. And I think that that was a big thing into 2020 going into 2021, especially not running shows. And I, yeah. I just think the interest there from the common fan probably waned out. And I think the, the the energy and the demand that exists for a product like Ring of Honor was captured and harnessed by Tony Khan to to create AEW with you know the opportunity. As I've said before, I think what AEW is Ring of Honor could have been if they had the leadership, the vision, and the funding. And uh, I mean, maybe Sinclair could have afforded. It. I know Sinclair is is very. Uh, compromise financially now with with the investment that they've made in regional sports networks but um yeah there, there was definitely an opportunity and maybe it would have been a conflict for for sinclair to get involved with with other networks that they would have needed to get involved with if they wanted to do something that would be com- comparable to what aw is doing in terms of national uh distribution on, on on national television uh live but yeah but you know i said this when uh i just was of a fill-in co-host here on Rostomics Radio. Uh, Sinclair, or at least at that point when I was looking it up, owned, I think, a larger share of the Yes Network. And the Yes Network, other than Yankee games and I believe Net games, there's, it's just a lot of reruns of stuff and and, and not a lot of new content. That would have been something that would have been huge for that network to have a Ring of Honor TV show. And you would think Sinclair would just put it on there. And I, I think that was one of the biggest fails that they did and then what was it? Joe Koff claimed that they were working on a deal, but then the pandemic changed that working on a deal with the network. And I, I think one, one step that they needed to take and maybe the pandemic on the way of it is that they needed a, a, a one, one central place for, for everybody around the country to be able to watch their program. They had that for a minute with destination America for that year in 2016, when ring of honor and, and impact were on the same block on destination America. Uh, but there's no, and, and maybe I'm overemphasizing social media here, but there's there's no central place for everybody to sort of get together and tweet about it or or you know text their friends about it that that you can go in and watch Ring of Honor. And it's and it's certainly not live. On top of that, it's just sort of scattered around on all these different time slots and all these different markets. And uh, you catch it when you catch it, and you and it's it's sort of a, a singular experience rather than being a sort of communal experience where I can watch this show and see see some big angle or big moment happen and sort of wonder what was everybody else saying and thinking about this, and I can I can check. Um, you don't have that aspect at all with Ring of Honor unless unless it's the pay per view. Do you think? Sorry to sidetrack here, but do you think that's probably the biggest flaw with MLW's approach to get on as many services as possible? <clears throat> I, th- I think that's on their advice, you know, go on. Sorry. But like, I, I think what problem if, if, if MLW is going to break out and to become much bigger than it is, I think this is so, uh, what they're doing is probably, you know, uh, a step towards becoming that. Like, I, I don't know how you go from zero to nationwide distribution all in one central location, unless your, your, your advantage, like, like Tony Khan was in terms of the funding and background experience and the connections with various television executives. Um, if, if, if MLW is going to end up having a nationwide time slot someday, which I I'm doubtful that they're, I'm, I'm less optimistic that they're going to after how things went with, with the, uh, the one broadcast that they had on vice. But if that's going to happen for MLW, I, I think they, you know, it's, it's, they have to incrementally get, get, you know, make their way there um, just because of the position that they're in. All right. Uh, any, anything else to touch on uh, ring of honor here? I don't think so. 
we'll have to see if they actually run shows in 2022 and uh we'll move on uh to our next story which was the return to live touring uh between wwe and uh aew and uh um brand i'll let you get on to this but this was you know we we got what we expected a lot of full houses in july and august when live touring came back yes so this um the reality that there actually is and was pent up demand for for tickets exceeded my expectations. Um, I think myself and others were more pessimistic that, yeah, these first few shows will do really well. Um, and this this has had an effect on ratings, too, that I underestimated, which I guess we're not even really seeing calm down now. I mean, Raw, Raw is compromised. I'm getting sidetracked with the ratings, but Raw is compromised by going against the Monday Night Football, and we'll see how that changes after the Monday Night Football season is over with. But we just saw SmackDown do 2.3 million viewers, which is the biggest rating it did since, since September. So SmackDown is not really weakening here in terms of ratings. But anyway, ticket sales. We we saw the the first event in Houston, SmackDown, 14,000, 13,000 people out there. Um, a strong a strong house for the first show back on the road, uh, Money in the Bank after that. All, all these events in Texas at first. But they really did a strong couple months, really the, the entire Q3, which is July, August, September, was pretty strong. Um, the average attendance uh, in North America was the highest it had been, uh, in, in, I, think, I think, in any quarter, even if you include a WrestleMania quarter, which would be skewed by a single WrestleMania stadium event, the highest average average uh, North America live attendance, and that is paid um, in, I don't know, at least 10 years, probably going back further, uh, maybe going back to the Attitude Era. There was pent-up demand, and people did go out uh, to these shows. Um, we're in a time here in, in the summer where I, – I don't know what the rates of COVID were uh, in, the, in the summer during these months, but but this is now in the time where everybody has access to the vaccine. And you know all these events didn't, didn't require vaccination proofs. A few of them did. Uh, but uh, a lot of people went out to these events uh, after in, – in, in WWE's case – there were there were no live events from March 2020 through the midpoint of July uh, 2021. So what is that? Some what's three, four, 12, 12 plus four, 16 months of, of no events. 16 months, yeah. Um, except for the, the WrestleMania that they did at limited capacity, of course, outdoors. Um, we saw SummerSlam do over 45,000 tickets distributed. Most, I don't know. I, I don't know what to, what to think about the paid here, but um one one highlight that we have had is we have wrestle ticks out there actually counting um these tickets up uh in an automatic automated fashion using data that is essentially public through ticketing websites like Ticketmaster to count the dots and uh there's a certain amount of judgment and, and uh sort of in, you know uh research that needs to be done in terms of what sections are actually being put on sale and, and what aren't to determine what what tickets have already sold or not but uh WrestleTix doing a great job covering this stuff it's um something that I was thinking about doing early uh in, in as the return to touring was going to start I was thinking well you could you could count up these these dots and uh, I could write up write a python script or something that would you know count the dots up and I think I tinkered around with that a little bit. I certainly wouldn't have been able to handle all tracking all of these events. So I'm so grateful that WrestleTix exists and and does the work uh, that is being done to to track all of these live events and it's and to track tickets distributed, which is not necessarily tickets sold, but I believe about 95% of tickets distributed represents the the 
the portion of tickets sold, generally speaking, for any any one of these wrestling events. Um, certainly, there are events where I believe there were a disproportionate number of comps, but uh, yeah, um, but it's been great work that that WrestleTix has done. Um, so, what we've seen is since so I've got got a couple charts here on the screen for people watching on YouTube. What we've seen this is through through today. Uh, the return to touring in July through today, WWE has ran around the world with some events in the UK, but mostly in the U- US has run 86 events. This does not include the, the holiday tour events that they're going to do in the last couple days of the year, last few days, 86 events, total tickets distributed, 667,000 tickets distributed. So two thirds of a million Two-thirds of a million tickets distributed. The average tickets distributed per event. Now, this includes all different event types. Pay-per-views, Raw Smackdowns, house shows, international events. But the average across all of those events, 7,750. I'm rounding slightly here. 7,750 across the the entire period of July through the present. Um, Compare that to AEW, 32 events. So what is that? Like a little bit more than a third. 32 events for AEW to, to WWE's 86. So a lot more events, way higher volume that, that WWE is doing, uh, largely driven by the, well, the fact that they, they run two live TV shows every week, and then they run house shows on top of that. AEW only runs in most weeks one event, one TV taping. Uh, and then sometimes, a few times, they have run dedicated Rampage tapings, and then on occasion, they run uh, pay-per-views every quarter. Um, Total tickets distributed for AEW, 241,000 on 32 events. 241,000. Compare that to 667,000 for WWE. Average tickets distributed for, across all of their events. Apparently, I didn't round this, or maybe maybe I didn't round either number. But anyway, uh, average tickets distributed, 7,526. So slightly lower across the entire period to WWE. 7,750. Uh, WWE slightly higher by a couple hundred there across that entire period. But if we look, look at the more recent trend, and so what I've done here for people watching on YouTube is I've taken uh, all of the events, each event's ticket distributed number, and I've put across the chart a moving average, a moving 10 event average. So what's your average across the 10 events? In the, in the past, across this entire timeline. And uh, you raise the question, has, yes, there's been pent-up demand. W had a very strong Q3 for live events following uh, on, uh, you know, in the, in the pre-pandemic era when live events struggled to make a profit in many quarters. They reported negative operating income. That means their live event division was not profitable, even though they're more profitable than ever as an entire company. Their live events division was essentially a loss leader. That was something that was a cost to them that was allowing them to produce content that was very valuable and allowing them to, to collect massive TV rights fees. But their live events division was not profitable in most non-WrestleMania quarters in 2018 and 2019. So tremendous pent-up demand in this non-WrestleMania quarter of Q3 2021. What is the demand like nearer to the present here in December, late December 2021? And we see a 10-event 
moving average that is now at about 6,000, whereas early on in the return to touring, it was up at 8,000 for a lot of that time through through about uh, you know early October. And then after October, it has, it has really dropped down from, from about 8,000 to about 6,000. Uh, I, I excluded the, the SummerSlam here. I should note, I, I excluded the SummerSlam because that would upset the scale here. And I excluded the Saudi Arabia event in October. Um, with these numbers being very similar where they are this, this month, the question to ask is, is, is this a sign that AEW is probably doing better than expected live touring, like, you know, running bigger arenas and all that? Or is just interested WB has weighing down where they that's why they look closer than they should be. Um, well, what's happening with AEW? What do you see on this chart? Because I haven't described it yet for the listeners. For for AEW, what is AEW's 10 event moving average compared to AEW's at this point here in December? What does it look like to you, Chris Gull? Well, I mean, as of right now, it's around that 6,000 mark, which I'm sure you're getting more, but it was in that September, October around 8,000 and it, you know, it's the, you know, it, it's all time high is where it looks like to be stayed a while at, but now they're around the same yes. as, you know, obviously COVID numbers go up and the, the intrigue of going to see live events isn't as, you know, a thing to do as it was in the summer. It's, it's not as a novel experience anymore. Um, what, what we're seeing is now the average attendances and then for W this does include house shows. Um, but now the average attendances, even though WWE runs way more events and is selling in total way more tickets over any period of time, we're seeing average attendance for AEW and WWE remarkably similar um, per event. In, in, in AEW's case, since November, it's just, it's just two months. And a lot of this is determined by the market that you're running in. But uh, AEW seems to be it's, it's trending up, but. I think it's too too small of a segment of time to really say too much about. Um, we'll see what happens in the future. You know, um, W was supposed to go to Canada. That looks like it's being postponed. They were supposed to go to Toronto and Quebec. Uh, that's that's being postponed. The Toronto show is still happening, but it's happening at a, at a limited capacity. I think John Pollock from Post Wrestling has been following that and reporting on that. Um, I, I'm curious to see what happens in 2022. Uh, hopefully, the Omicron uh, variant. Uh, hopefully cases go down um, and people can safely go to events. But AEW has not been to Canada yet. AEW is like never in its history. It's never gone to Canada, has not gone to the UK. Um, I think that those are going to be big, big moments for them when, when they go there in terms of ticket sales. They have not gone to California yet. Um, they have not yeah, gone to, to they have not gone to Oregon or Oregon or uh, Washington yet, Washington State, um, right? So they've they've gone as far west as Las Vegas, of course, for the double or nothing pay per views, but um, really not gone to to the west to the deep west, the far west coast yet. Um, which I think I don't I don't know if if the west west coast of the United States is, is a huge you know uh, opportunity for them. And I wonder if part of the reason they haven't gone there is because they haven't seen certain signals that suggest that they could draw strongly there. Um, but Canada and the UK, I think, are going to be big deals for them the first time that they go there. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, as, as I've talked about before, I think what, what you're seeing is you're, that, that a, going to a live event is a 
massively frictious experience, if that's a word. Uh, it's, it's a frictious event as opposed to consuming media through uh, a, a, a smartphone or a tablet or watching something on television. That's a free experience. It's very convenient in your home. It doesn't take a lot of friction to overcome to have that experience of watching some video, whether it's a live broadcast on, on a TV network or whether it's consuming some bit of content on, on, a, on your smartphone. What is a, is a high friction experience is paying money to go to an event, traveling to that event, uh, getting transportation to that event, sitting there in that experience, you know, through, through the expensive food and so forth. And I think the, the fan base, it's, it's, a, it's a measure of, of how passionate to, to an extent, it is a measure of how passionate your fan base is. And AEW seems in my, in my judgment, perhaps has a more passionate fan base for its product than, than WWE does for its product. Um, even though W is still far, 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 yes, ahead of AEW in a number of categories, including total ticket sales. Um, I might be attending a WWE house show on Thursday night. So if I do, that's right. They're coming to Buffalo. Yes, I will give my details of my experience compared that's, to the, when, is, when is that again? When is that? Well, I just said I will give my details. of When, my when, when is that Thursday? Oh, I'm sorry. Thursday, Thursday. December 30th. You know, hopefully one of the big things that I'm looking forward to in 2022 is hopefully the the uh, Internet service company Greenlight will come to my neighborhood and I will get supercharged Internet. And, and maybe when I'm when I'm, you know, firing off at 500 up, 500 down, there will be less latency between you and me here. Um, so hopefully we get that straight now, because I know you already in your neighborhood in South Buffalo, you've already got Verizon um, files, right? And you've, I, I, when, yes. when I when I went to your house that one time and I connected to your Wi-Fi, I was astonished at how fast something was happening for me. Uh, when I was connected to your Wi-Fi, it was amazing. Um, but here I, I'm, I'm, I've got thirty down, and f- if I'm lucky, four up. For people who know oh, well. what, what I'm talking <laughs> about here, uh, but anyway. All right. So yeah, we will uh, move on to the next story and discuss a, a huge year for AEW in signings. Uh, CM Punk. And the American Dragon Brian Danielson both were signed by uh, AEW. Major acquisitions, you know. You could also argue that Adam Cole and yeah. now the most recently Kyle O'Reilly were large acquisitions as well. But nothing, I don't think, compares to Punk and Danielson and the effect it was had on the company or is going to have. Yes. Um. Many, many people thought that CM Punk would never set foot in a pro wrestling ring ever again, with the exception of uh, doing a masked run-in on an indie show. And delivering a GTS to somebody, but uh, yeah, uh, CM Punk returned to wrestling on August twentieth, twenty twenty one. I think it was a huge moment. I mean, I watched it live, and I thought it was one of the one of the most exciting moments in pro wrestling history. Um, and and uh, then Brian Danielson came along a couple weeks later. Um, I and I think the energy that AEW the 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 symbol that AEW is is an alternative to WWE. CM Punk is a symbol of, of uh, frustration with WWE to a lot of people. Um, again, when we were talking about Ring of Honor, I think I think AEW has subsumed. Is that is that the right word? Uh, is, has taken over Ring of Honor's place as this sort of I want to say more traditional, but that's not the right word. But this sort of I don't want to say hardcore, but I don't think that's the right word either. But this, this a certain type of wrestling fans uh, desires for a certain type of wrestling product that is not really what what WWE is delivering. Um, and CM Punk is is the angsty symbol of that. Brian Danielson is sort of the great performer symbol of that. 
And now they're both sort of in the place where it makes sense for them to be. Um, so they're there and they're two of the biggest stars now for AEW. Uh, this coincided with a, a, a time of really strong ratings for AEW and a, and a really strong pay-per-view over 120,000 buys. I should remember this. If you go to wrestlingonics.com and go into the resource section, go to AEW pay-per-view buys, you'll see the, the number there. Um, but they did a strong pay-per-view buy for All Out 2021 with only CM Punk in a match. I mean, there are other things advertised, but but Danielson was not advertised. He de- he debuted as an unadvertised surprise, although people speculated that maybe he would show up there, and Adam Cole did as well. Um, but ratings were strong during this period of you know August through September, and now we're we're in in this this sort of post NHL era for AEW's ratings. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, these two wrestlers seem to be in their in their right place for for the the type of product that AEW is in contrast to to WWE, which is where they were previously. Um, but what's also happened, which is worth mentioning, is that AEW has signed a ton of wrestlers. I didn't do any research or preparation for this, but AEW signed a ton of wrestlers, um, more wrestlers than they need, and. Uh, I don't know. They 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 could do do a round of releases too if they wanted to, but maybe that's I don't know what uh, what AW wants to do in terms of not of uh, being a talent relations contrast to WWE and not cutting people before their deals are up, which is uh, a, t- a talking point with many people as far as oh did so and so get a no cut clause? I I don't think anybody's getting a no cut clause. Um, but uh, AW has a lot more wrestlers than it needs as it signs more and more wrestlers. So something to watch in the future. Um, then again, I, I don't, I don't know what the, what the, the cost of talent is for them. I don't know what, what that means in the total picture. It's making AEW less profitable. If it is, if it would, to the extent that it is profitable, we know that AEW's made a something in, in the, in the realm of a $10 million investment in, in all the aspects of gaming that they're involved in. And that is according to Tony Khan and his, in his profile and Forbes, uh, that is preventing AEW from being profitable without that investment. Perhaps they would have been profitable, uh, in, in, in this year or last year. Um, I estimate that AEW is making at least last year. I will have to sit down and think about what what I think they've made in 2021, uh, which means I'm probably going to have to do another annual report come January. Um, but AW in 2020, I believe, made around 60 million dollars in revenue. No idea what they made in terms of net income or anything like that or any profit metric, but they certainly made more revenue this year because they were able to sell tickets and they almost certainly sold more merchandise, considering they got CM Punk and other new talent. Uh, they did better in pay-per-view. So they're making more money this year than last year. They were in the second year of a TV deal where they probably got a guaranteed escalator, um, even though some of that TV money is ad revenue share, I believe. Um, but yeah, and they made new deals with with some TV partners around the world too, including in India. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess my point was, signing all this talent is, is, is a cost and it's making them less profitable than they might be otherwise. Um, but it is also, you know, in 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 favor of talent generally, uh, the more wrestlers who have jobs, a little bit more leverage they have in, in a year where their leverage has diminished. So there's a tangent. All right. You know, and, uh, you know, you mentioned AEW releases, not something that seems likely, but we, you know, we're going on those three year contracts that we believe were signed 
maybe we might hear some non-renewals. I mean, we already kind of basically had that with uh swole. So mm-hmm. uh big swole. So uh, it would be interesting to see if there's other talents that don't have their contracts renewed within 2022. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a lot of comings to AEW. Now let's talk about some goings with WWE and a story that broke uh, November 5th. Uh, and that was Christina Salen uh, was replaced as CFO of World Wrestling Entertainment. Just what a week after the conference call. No, a day. <laughs> oh, a day. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. Yeah, that's right. It was that close. Sorry. A day after the conference. It was call. the next morning. So there was conference call. Conference call ended. Talent was released immediately after conference call. We'll get into that next morning. I will never forget sitting in that in the chair in the other room, looking at my phone at like eight fifteen a.m. and being like, "Oh, press release in my email from from WB." Not that they send me press releases, but there was an email alert that I signed up signed up to through the corporate website. Um, so, Christina Salen departing WWE as CFO chief financial officer after a year and a few months in the job, replacing essentially replacing many of the duties that, that George Barrios, who was the former CFO before her uh, former permanent CFO before her had done uh, in the interim, Frank a Riddick, the third, a member of the board of directors had been interim CFO and now replacing Christina Salen on a permanent basis, Frank a Riddick, the third. Um, so, uh, Christina Salen had been the CFO for uh, Modus Operandi and, oh, was it uh, United Masters? And she had been CFO for about a year and a few months at those places, was was CFO for about a year and a few months at this place, WB, and and now exiting. Uh, I, I, I was told that she was contributing to a lot of um, turnover. Um, people were, were not... And at least in the, in the finance department, people were uh, were le- choosing to leave WWE because of first. I, I'd never got too much detail about what exactly what the issue was, but um, you know she was con- she was contributing to turnover and people wanting to leave the company. At least in the finance department for WWE, uh, I'd heard that she was a problem, whatever that means. Um, so she left the company, and now Frank Averick the third coming off coming off the bench, the board of directors again. Uh, for WB. So, all right. Um, and uh, just to, to kind of touch up on some WWE financial stuff, you want to break into this the stock prices, Brandon? Yeah. So let's uh let's disclose. Let's make our full disclosures here. Are you a WWE investor, Chris Gallo? I am not. Were you a WWE investor in the year, the calendar year of 2021? I was. You were. Did you did you make a, a loss or a gain? Uh, slight gain, slight gain. Okay. I sold before it was, it got that, that, that high all time high. <laughs> it's all time high is not in this year. You're, well, not all time high, but you know what I mean? That last year's high, I should say. Sorry. The what, what's so share price as of the close of business Friday, or I don't know if they were, what business was open Friday. Maybe it was Thursday. Um, yeah, it looks like it was Thursday. Um, $48.36 quiz. What is Within a dollar, what is WDB's all-time high share price? Without looking it up, all-time. Um, I, I'm an all-time. I'm gonna guess eighty-one dollars. I'm just winging it there. One hundred dollars. Okay. In in the in the run-up, and the, let me just, just describe what may have been driving that high. In I think it's 2018. Um, 
in in the 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 hysteria, the optimism around. So W had made its new deal uh, in 2018. I believe it was following that. Um, that was that was a big deal. You know, W more than tripled its US TV rights. And then I think there was there was optimism that this is just the beginning. And now they have international rights to to do and that 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 was the timing. Uh the India deal is coming up. The UK deal. They're going to get increases uh similar maybe around the world. And what it ended up happening was um the UK deal we I don't know what the UK deal was. It appears to be a lateral movement at best or something very close to a lateral movement, maybe a down movement when they moved away from Sky and moved to BT Sport and Channel 4. The India deal was it was a pretty good deal for them. I believe they doubled they went from like $28 million average annual value or something like that for, for Sony in India and now $50 million average annual value. Um, and then the MENA rights deal was coming up. That never happened. That led to a shareholder class action lawsuit. <laughs> so uh, lots of re- you know excitement that, th- that that huge and awesome US TV rights deal that they did with NBC Universal and Fox, that was going to be a, a, a you know, a signal of what was to come internationally, $100 share price, which is double, more than double what, the, what their share price is right now. Their market capital is just under $4 billion. That means the market capital of WE was for a moment $8 billion or something very close to that. Um, and then then, then the, the, the bubble burst. Um, TV rights bubble did not burst, but the W share price bubble burst. Um, moral of the story here, in 2021, as I... Return as I digress. W share we we have lined up here on the on the screen for people watching on YouTube is we have a line chart showing the last year. So this is uh the the last three hundred sixty five days. So mostly this is in twenty twenty one. The last three hundred sixty five days, the growth in share price of WWE stock and the growth in value of the S and P five hundred. The S and P five hundred over the last year is up. 27%. So if you bought somebody's mutual fund that just mirrors the S&P 500, if you bought a share of that uh, on Christmas last year, you, you let's, let's say you invested $100 in the S&P 500 last year on Christmas, you now have $127. So you made a, a 27% gain. If you invested $100 in WWE on Christmas last year, you now have $101. Uh, so the point is here that this, you know, the, the, the S&P 500 is, is a reflection of what the biggest 500 companies in the United States. I think these are all, those are all U.S. companies in the S&P 500. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a reflection of what I, w- I want to say the economy, but as we've entered this pandemic era, people are quick to point out that the stock market is not a reflection of the economy, which is true enough. Um, the biggest 500 companies in the United States, roughly, they, they performed pretty well in 2021. You know, their value grew about 27%. WD grew almost not at all. Uh, so we have a couple tweets here from one from, from David George Kosh from Bloomberg and one from our friend, friend MJ and NJ, uh, their comments about. This was in, in reply to my, my tweet last night. What were the biggest stories in wrestling business in 2021? I, I I can read those for you. So David George Kosh, there's a lot of low hanging fruit on there, but the fact investors don't see much growth in WWE relative to a benchmark index should be indicative. In, I'm sorry, indicative. <laughs> I can't pronounce that. Over broader story here, indicative or 
Yeah, in, that, in, in that indicative. Right. And then MJ. Indicative. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just not. I it think is, I found the word that, that stumped it is me. A, it is a difficult word. Indicative. <laughs> uh, and uh, MJ, uh, the devaluing of pro wrestlers and input costs, including their aggressive reach into third-party revenue streams for talent, as well as the WWE stock not showing any strength or participating in broader bull market turning TV rights renewal into a make-or-break moment circa 2013. MJ from NJ may or may not uh, be holding certain positions in, in, in WWE stock. I don't know. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, just the, their their point was just uh, uh, near to what I was just saying, that there's this bull market. There's a pretty strong stock market here. But WWE's not really correlating to that. Uh, they're basically flat over the year. I mean, there's been a lot of bounce. We can look at this chart again for people watching on YouTube. It's really just been a bounce of, of up, down, up, up, down down <laughs> um w had a run this year as a meme stock as wall street bets took interest in in wb for a minute or two there uh so yeah i don't know what we're seeing a lot is you know the, the stock price will go down after earnings calls um but yeah i i think i think if i have no positions wb i have no no plans in the next 72 hours or next 72 months to initiate any such positions um but i i, I think the w stock is somewhat undervalued um, based on the assumption that the value of WWE is approximately 14 or 15 times their forward looking EBITDA over the next 12 months. Follow me there. Uh, (laughs) I essentially based on a formula that people use to determine the value of companies like WWE 14 X 15 X EBITDA. Um, Based on what I what how I think W is going to perform, I think W is a little bit undervalued. Um, so I I think they're still in a good position considering where Raw ranks, where SmackDown ranks among programming. Generally, I think they're still in a good position to grow their media rights value in the next round. Um, that said, I think there's some vulnerability there because you've got a you got content that's turning people off and is not attracting people, and it's going to be that way as long as Vince McMahon is in charge of, of creative. So that's always going to be a vulnerability as long as Vince McMahon is in in control of creative. Um, but there's no, there's no negative trend in their, in their rank, uh, among other programming. So I think they're still in a good position and they, they have Nick Khan, uh, in, in charge of, of making those deals. And he seems to be somebody who, who had a lot of success making those deals. Um, so I think there's a good reason to be optimistic about their media rights value going forward in the next round of us rights, which is coming up, probably going to start this coming year, probably going to be completed 2023. Uh, so there's that. And we'll see something in, in the year to come about where their quote unquote Hulu rights will land. Probably not with Hulu, be my guess. Uh, maybe with Peacock, maybe with Amazon, maybe with Chris Gullo thinks Tubi. Tubi all the way. Tubi TV. Tubi. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, wh- why this lack of excitement in W stock these days? Um, is AEW really a factor here? I think that's that's one of the big dichotomies that I that I I'm trying to. I, I'm always trying to, it's always sort of in the back of my mind is like, this is going to be a long show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. There's no Bill's home game. So we're, we're having fun. The, uh, one of the things that's always in the back of my mind is like the WrestleNomics content, our content. It's mostly wrestling fans who have a business interest in, you know, a fascination with, with the, the business of, of pro wrestling. Um, and there's, you know, ac- across the, the continuum of people who are, you know, interested in it purely as a stock or, or, or people who have a, a wider media 
business interest. Uh, but, and, and, and I, I'm not totally clear about, you know, in, in Stanford and in, in Titan, Titan tower, how much are they really thinking about AW? I, I'm certain they're thinking about AW more than they let on, uh, where they, you know, it's, I guess, only the smart thing from a PR standpoint to downplay the extent to which they are competition. AEW is, um, so certainly they they care more than they let than they let than they show publicly. Uh, Nick Khan saying things like, "I've never thought about a competitor." Then um, we're in the media business, not the wrestling business. Um, but how much does whatever AEW is doing? AEW's had some relative success here. Do does the stock market see that as as a vulnerability for WWE to some extent? To how much of extent? I, I'm not sure. I I think it is a risk that to W stock that you know is AEW could just just speaking from like a this is not me speculating that it's going to happen, but purely from a if I were which I am not a a financial advisor. This is not investment advice, nor should it be construed as such. Um, I think it's always a risk for the foreseeable future that that that, that AW's popularity is going to suddenly exceed. They're going to catch fire with with some talent or something like that and become this much more popular brand of wrestling than they are now and, and surpass WWE in terms of popularity and in terms of un unlimited numbers of categories. Um, so I think that that risk is always there. And that could have a really serious effect on WWE's ratings and, and other, other, other areas, which could tremendously hurt their, their, their value as a company. Um, I don't see that as extremely likely, but it's very possible that that could happen at any point. Um, or that there's, that there is a breaking point somewhere in the future that, that just hasn't arrived yet where, there could be rapid, finally rapid, you know, sort of think, think about it as, as like, you know, there's, there's somebody living in the floor above you who's, you know, they're, they're putting too much stuff on their floor and they're, and they're, they're falling, they're getting ready to fall through the ceiling. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't look too bad. There is a little bit of uh, you know, those, those look like the ceiling is weakening a bit, but it doesn't look like they're going to fall through the ceiling because I can't really see what's, what's on that floor above me. And then eventually, boom, everything falls through and it falls out down on top of me. Uh, maybe a, a point like that is coming again. I don't think that's super likely, but that's possible. How much does, does AEW matter to WWE? Um, probably quite a bit, probably should matter quite a bit. Um, that said, it's 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 not inappropriate. It's appropriate enough to think about yes, to think about WWE in 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 the wider media landscape in terms of all the opportunities it has to make money and for revenue growth. Uh, in terms of licensing their IP across all sorts of things, which is what Nikon is there to do in part to license the Rock to the Young Rock and to license license them across across gaming, across all the uh, the things that they're trying to do with places like Cameo and to make better deals with a trading card partner like Panini, not a sandwich company, but a trading card company um, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I, th I think the AEW factor is real. Um, it's something that I'm always thinking about, about how how much to, to, to focus on that. Um, in the times where I talk to people in the investment world, that's a big subject that I talk about with them. And I wonder if it's just because I'm the wrestling guy or 
you know, as opposed to being the, the non-wrestling media guy, you know, I, I, but that, that's just an area that I'm prepared to talk about more so than maybe other people that they talk to, but yeah. Um, just one final thing I'll come out on before we wrap it up here is, you know, WWE can, they, they're not a wrestling company, they're a media company, all that, but you know, it, you know, just to kind of build on what you're saying, when it comes to TV rights deals, they're going to compare WWE networks are, they're going to, they're going to look at, Oh, well, this to this and we might you know that's the things they're going to compare they're not going to go well how did we do compared to uh sean hannity like that's not the stuff they're looking for um i I think there's there's comparisons across other sports like you know the nhl and things like that um but it frustrates me that and i think it frustrates some other fans how how, how, how much of a section of fans i don't know is it significant i don't know but it frustrates me and other people that that they refuse to acknowledge and embrace their citizenship in the wrestling business. Um, what, what Chris Gull, what, what, what is WWE's biggest source of revenue? Uh, th- that would be the, uh, actually it'd be the, is it Fox more than NBC? No, the NBC universal money. It really okay, is. But, what, 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 what's Fox and NBC paying them for? Um, for, for TV rights. Yeah. And TV rights to what? To well, SmackDown for Fox, Raw for ah. Raw and NXT, and 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 what's on what's on Raw and SmackDown? Is it is it movies? Is it um? Do they are they streaming games? Is it esports? Is it um? Are they are they showing off their action figures and all their great partnerships with all their partners? Are they are they selling them video of all their charitable uh, activities? What are they what are they selling on Raw and SmackDown? What's on Raw and SmackDown? Uh, some wrestling matches, promos, and and storylines like an egg. Okay, <laughs> wrestling, in ring content. But yes, wrestling. Okay, so it's fine to say that we have sort of these unlimited revenue opportunities, but your core content—you call it core content on on the trending schedules. You call it core content in, in the ten Qs and the ten Ks. Core content. What's your core content? It's in ring programming. What's in ring programming? It's a way to not say wrestling. It's wrestling. You're a wrestling company. Come on now. Um, and there's, and I, and I think within Vince McMahon's psychology, there's there's some some self loathing and shame that he's in the wrestling business, and he wants to. Maybe some people have made him feel bad about being in the wrestling business, and people, Lord knows, there's a stigma to pro wrestling. Uh, some of it justified, some of it unjustified. That people look down on wrestling, and he wants to overcome that. Rather than repairing the image of wrestling, he wants to transcend wrestling. Um, and in doing so, I think that's bad for their brand because it, it alienates people who love wrestling anyway. All right. We'll uh, move on to our next story uh, and kind of address some speculation. So the next story we're going to talk about was originally first from April 27, 2021, where the NHL and TNT made an agreement. Uh, NHL also made an agreement ESPN as well uh, for games and, and broadcasting rights. But then on May 19, 2021, we had a, a little bit of an after effect of this where we now find out that dynamite will move to TBS in 2022. We'll also get four quarterly specials in TNT and rampage was staying on TNT. Yes. So a big story for AW this year is the NHL. Very big story. Um, and it's sort of like, I think I said at the time and it sort of turned out that way that you've got this friend and, uh, this friend is really important to you and your life. And then this, this, this friend now has a new friend 
that you kind of have to compete with for attention. Um, in April, as you just said, go Turner unexpectedly got rights to the NHL, to NHL games. ESPN has half of their bundle of rights. Turner got the other half, the B package, if you will. Uh, the expectation among you know many media commentators that I've listened to was that uh, the NHL would be renewed by NBC Sports. And uh, we'd heard that um, NBC Sports Network was going to was going to shutter. And uh, really, this had a lot to do with wrestling. But but then Nick Khan broke the news on the earnings call, which must have been the Q1 earnings call uh, in April, April or May. Well, it must have been before this. Right. So so April or so uh, that you know, we, we knew that the NBC Sports Network was going to shut down. That led to speculation about where those games would go. Uh, maybe those games go to Wednesday night. Whoa, if they go to Wednesday night, what's that going to do to NXT? More on that later. Uh, but it looks, looks turned out, no, they're not going to go to uh, to the USA Network or to elsewhere in the NBC Universal world because Nick Khan reported that we think that that's done, that, that they're not going to go back to, to NBC Universal. And they ended up selling half of those rights to ESPN and half of those rights to TNT. And rather than being uh, a, a a competitor for time and attention and, and time slots with NXT, the NHL turned out to be a competitor for time slots with AEW. And uh, so that came down in April. And uh, we know because of the, the renewal, the extension that happened in January, 2020 for AEW, that, that uh, AEW was to provide an additional one hour of programming on top of dynamite to Turner. Uh, that had not happened yet uh, in, in, in the spring of 2021. So we learned in May uh, around the time of the upfronts, uh, which is a big presentation for advertisers, the upfronts that happen every May that AEW's additional one hour program would be called AEW rampage. It would air on TNT beginning in August. AEW dynamite would no longer air on TNT and would move to TBS in 2022. That's coming up uh, the Wednesday after next. Uh, and, and AEW would have four quarterly specials that will air on TNT, the first of which now we know is called Battle of the Belts, which I don't know if you can look, look this up, Is a one-hour special, right? This is not a two-hour program or more. It's, this is a one-hour program, right? Um yeah, I don't. I don't and 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 if here. you get get the date for Battle of the Belts too, um, but that's happening. Um, to be clear here, I I don't know that this move to TBS, these four additional specials, really mean that much more in the in the way of payments to 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 AEW. Um, so here's what I believe. I believe at the very beginning of Turner Turner's relationship with AEW that AEW is being compensated a share of ad revenue, maybe roughly half, maybe less than half of, of the ad revenue that was sold during the airings of AEW Dynamite. And, and they were probably paid roughly the cost of production during that early run from October 2019 through the end of the year, roughly. Then in January 2020, they made a new deal. Ratings were apparently good enough, whatever the reasons were, Things were going well enough. They renewed the deal uh, to the value of, for, for four years with the last year being an option with a value, an average annual value of roughly $43.75 million per year. 
or as as Tony Khan has tweeted a number of times, $175 over four years. Um, is that right? I, I always get I always get, get confused. So if I if I divide 175 divided by four, that is okay, that's correct. Um so they got a lot of that money is now guaranteed, right? So it's way more money for it for AEW. I think about 10% of that though is still a margin of, of ad revenue share. Uh, but that's roughly what it's worth. That's that's roughly what it's worth with with some movement there, depending on how well or poorly ad sales perform. Um so that that started in January 2020, not this year, January 2020, now about to be two years ago. Um, I don't believe that, that this move to, for Dynamite moving to TBS for quarterly specials means that much more in the way of revenue. Um, and if Tony Khan has said things to that effect, that, see, that seemed vague to me. I think Dave Meltzer may have reported or said things that, you know, assume that, that that's what's happening. I don't, I don't think AEW is making much more than $45 million a year in TV revenue on an average annual basis across the entire term of this contract. I think people assume that because they have, they're on, you know, Rampage is another TV show. They're getting paid more for it. I don't believe that. That was part of the deal in January, 2020. Um, people believe that, well, because they moved to TBS, they had to pay him more. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He, Tony Khan still tweets $175 million, which is what he tweeted before and after these announcements were made. So, um, and what leverage let's game it out. What leverage does AW have to say, Oh, you're going to do this. Pay me more or what? I mean, yeah, there's not much. I mean, yeah. And, and it's not like TBS is this downstep. TBS is in, is a very similar profile. Um, when we looked at the, the, the most watched networks, TNT is more watched than TBS largely because of the NBA. But TBS is pretty strong network as well. Comparable is in essentially the same number of homes. I, I tweeted what, the, what the, the, the household coverage was once. And we got Tony Khan repeating the, the number on, on Busted Open and people bring it up all the time that the, TBS is in more homes. It's, it's like it's essentially neg- negligible difference. They're in this, essentially the same number of homes because probably what's happening is Turner is, is selling their, their package of, of their portfolio of networks to, to all these carriers. And I can't imagine they're ever selling TNT without TBS. But anyway, um, so there's that. Uh, yeah. Just our January 8th, one hour long, 8 PM Saturday night. Okay. So that's for battle of the belts. And that is a separate live event too, I believe, which is not in like in conjunction with, a, a taping of, of dynamite and or rampage. Yeah, no, it's just live in Charlotte. So I'm assuming what they do with stuff like this, like where they've done live rampages, where they'll just give fans basically like two hours of AW dark elevation tapings. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Okay, or maybe that's been announced. I'm, I'm just not aware. Um, ah, all right. Uh, so we're gonna uh, move move on to our next story. But actually, before we do. We're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of questions. I remember we have the super chat feature. Um, it starts at a dollar. You could uh, donate whatever you'd like, but uh, please use the super chat feature for questions. All right. So we're going to move on to our next story, Brandon. And that was from March 30th. And this was a story, uh, a very interesting one. The Wednesday night war coming to an end. And it was well, the press up. release we got. Hold up. Well, one more thing to get to, to get to here uh, oh, about, sorry. about preemptions uh, in, the, in the slide. Two back from where you are. Um, so one, one thing that I, that I realized this week, and I talked about this 
I talked about half of this on, on the live TV ratings talk on Thursday. Um, so Dynamo is going to be on TBS after January 5th. Rampage is going to continue to be on TNT. And the, the reason why they're going to TBS, why Dynamite is moving to TBS, is because they're going to, because the NHL is going to air in that primetime slot instead of Dynamite. Even though Dynamite, by the way, delivers better ratings in, in the 18 to 49 demo. But who knows? Maybe there's something about ad sales that, that uh, you know, the NHL is a more prestigious brand than pro wrestling. So maybe they're able to sell, maybe they're able to drive more value out of the NHL than they are out of, out of AEW. Anyway, uh, Dynamite on TBS will not have to be preempted for basketball, for the NBA, I should say, for the NBA playoffs, which is they were preempted for four straight weeks from uh, late May to late June this year. So they won't have to deal with that. Dynamite won't. Dynamite won't. Will there be any other preemption? There were still, be, there were, I, I'm pretty sure, this is not a report. This is not something that's been confirmed by anybody involved. But just looking at, looking at the ratings and looking at the TV schedule, I think this is what's going to happen. Diamond on TBS is going to be preempted in March for NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, at least for one week. Um, then in October, Dynamite is probably going to be preempted for, for Major League Baseball playoffs. So it will probably be two weeks where they are preempted. Dynamite was preempted, I believe, a total of six weeks. Maybe, maybe I think just six weeks, Dynamite was preempted this year. Um, but being preempted two weeks is better than being preempted six weeks. So... So it's not as if Dynamite will no longer be preempted. It'll just be preempted less. Rampage. Uh, this is semantic, but I believe was was why was Rampage on uh, Saturday last night, Chris Golo? Why, why was Rampage on this Saturday? Why was it on Christmas night, not not Friday night on Christmas Eve? Because of the twenty four hour uh, marathon of the Christmas story. You are correct. Uh, so I so look, Rampage was preempted in my view. You know. I, I I heard it only discussed the Rampage moved it to Christmas night, Saturday night, instead of its usual Friday night time slot on Christmas Eve that, well, it's just going to be moved because Christmas Eve is a tough night to, to capture viewership and Christmas night will be better. Um, I think this is just a, a decision from from Turner that they wanted to air 24 hours of a Christmas story instead of, of wrestling that night. And Christmas night was the earliest opportunity to reschedule. And you, you can you can say that, well, there's there's just tradition of wrestling. So that's great on, on, on Christmas night. So that's, that's great. We'll do it then. Um, so that's what happened. Um, so that's a preemption. Um, not again, but not that necessarily they would have done that much better on, on Christmas Eve. I don't know. Anyway, Rampage is probably going to be preempted in March for NCAA basketball, the tournament. And then Rampage is probably going to be preempted for at least one week in June for the NBA playoffs. These are my assumptions, speculations. So we will still be seeing at least two preemptions for dynamite next year and at least two preemptions for rampage next year. Yeah. I, uh, the one thing that rampage could possibly not get preempted if they decide to flip one of the first four games, because the, on the Wednesday that you're talking about where the preemption may happen is that's the first four. So that's the four teams trying to get in the tournament. Hmm. Or um, and the way that the, kind of that works, it's TBS and then True TV. But they could literally—it's not all four networks like they always do. So they could literally move that. Maybe they'll move that True TV game to TNT or wherever. Maybe, but then you have NHL, so probably you know that probably will happen. But that they may change that. I ha they have not released a 2022 TV schedule yet. I tried to find that while I was while you were just mm. talking about good, that. Good so. work. Okay. Now let's just you know it, it it it's an avoidable preemption if they want 
Rampage is not going to be avoidable. But Dynamite then, will. Be, but you're, you're, you're talking about, well, then somebody's show has got to go to, to True TV. Well, no. So True TV is already getting a first four game. True TV and TV split the games. But they show the NCAA tournament games over CBS, True TV, TNT, and TBS. Okay. So they could move. But then uh, I forgot the NHL probably won't. That probably won't happen. So, yeah, it's going to be AEW gets a shaft. Okay. Okay. So. Moving on. All right. Yeah, we're going to move on and, yeah, to the Wednesday, the end of the Wednesday Night War that happened March 30th, 2021. Uh, we saw in a press release, WWE and USA Network today announced a multi-year extension for NXT, which will move to Tuesday nights live on the USA Network starting at 8 o'clock, 7 Central Time, beginning April 13th. The new agreement for the live weekly two-hour show furthers WWE and USA's nearly three-decade-long relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think and, this uh, is – yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to queue you up with that you have a little bit of history here of the Wednesday Night War to break down. Yes. So I, I think this is this announcement. Gullo just read uh, the first sentence of a press release from, from March 30th. I think this is this is probably the most under understood uh, story of, of 2021. Although people are well aware that you know, the Wednesday Night War came to an end uh, in the spring of 2021. But this announcement that uh, this new deal was made. And we don't know what the details are, which which I think is sort of ominous uh, in terms of what the value of this was. And we never knew what it was in the first place uh, for, for the value of, of NXT being on the USA network instead of the W network. Um, the reason why NXT moved from the W network to the USA network was <laughs> uh, that, you know, this is one of the most popular programs, perhaps the most popular weekly program on the W network. And people like Laura Martin, the, the, the stock analyst from Needham, bringing up how I don't understand why you're moving this this content off of streaming and on, onto linear when that's that's the whole power of streaming is that you've got exclusive content. And that's why you have to sign up for the streaming service, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, NXT moving off the W Network did not hurt subscribers, in my view. It was, you know, de minimis. One of my favorite George Barrios words. Nominal. Not that big of a deal. Um, but it was... Obviously, it was it was to compete with AEW as much as they would deny that publicly. But a, another reason was that, hey, look, Raw and SmackDown are tremendously valuable on, on live linear TV. NXT is this overperforming brand, which it was. And let's us move it over to, to linear TV. And maybe we can make this a third. So we can have Raw and SmackDown and NXT driving really strong TV rights fees. That's that's a fair argument. Um <clears throat> And oh, by the way, yeah, there's just a new wrestling program that maybe we could run head to head with. Um, but what happened was that uh, the, the the Wednesday Night War, as it would come to be known, uh, happened, and the final score with the with the uh, with the um, the final Wednesday Night War showdown showdown happening in in early April um, was there were seventy five. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Why do I have one here? No, it's a tie. Tie zero. Okay. There's 75 weeks. The Wednesday Night War lasted 75 weeks, so over a year. And we have here the numbers in total viewership and P18 to 49. AEW led out of 75 weeks in total viewership 63 of those 75 times. NXT led 10 of those times. This is in total viewership. And then they tied. They actually tied. Had the same number down to the one thousand, you know, down to one thousand viewers, two times. Two times they tied in total viewership. So, so AEW in total viewership was sixty three, ten, 
and two was essentially their record. And then in key, in the key demo, oh, the the much the much argued over key demo, which in fact does matter and is in fact more important than total viewership. In the key demo of eighteen forty nine, which is where which is where the ads ads are which is what the ads are sold on. Nobody buys ads based on what the P two plus is. People buy ads based on what the eighteen forty nine is, and and other demos, including P fifty plus. Which, if you look at the commercials, you can guess which ones are P50+. But anyway, the record for AEW in the demo across the entire Wednesday Night War, 74 and 1. No ties. 74 wins for Dynamite, 1 win for NXT. That coming on December 19th, 2019. For I don't know what the reason was. I don't know what was on television. But, but Dynamite did appear to be weakening in, the, in that, that, uh, that rough month. Of December 2019, until uh, Tony Khan said, "I'm taking over creative." I think is is a very rough summary of what happened there. Um, so NXT never, other than one week, beat Dynamite in the demo. Uh, on on ten occasions, they beat Dynamite in total viewership. Uh, in the last couple weeks, in in that that takeover week uh, this year, NXT did did beat Dynamite. I believe on the very last week in total viewership of the Wednesday War. But suffice to say, they lost the Wednesday Night War. This press release on March 20th is essentially the surrender. This is this is the armistice treaty right here. Uh, there's a historian word for you. Um, the armistice treaty, the armistice press release. So what happened here, in my view, is NXT was not getting that much for, for TV rights fees in the first two years of this deal. Who knows what it was? Maybe it was zero. Maybe it was $10 million a year. Maybe it was $20 million a year. I don't really believe it was much more than that small deal uh maybe it was ad revenue share who knows the notion was that maybe they could grow these these rights fees the year with the the term the two-year deal was coming to an end soon they had to renegotiate they renegotiated we still didn't learn any deals about what, the, what this thing was worth but they renewed their deal for a multi-year renewal right still don't know what it's worth stock price didn't react at all we had people speculating we had stock analysts and dave Meltzer speculating that maybe this deal Slash reporting slash estimating that the steel was worth fifty million dollars a year, maybe a hundred million dollars a year. It cannot be worth nearly that much. That's on on the size of what WWE's biggest international deal is worth. Fifty million dollars a year is the value of the India TV rights deal for Raw and SmackDown for Sony. Something that the stock market certainly would react to. They did not move a muscle in reaction to this. Somebody asked. Christina Salen on the earnings call that followed. You know, should we think about this new new NXT TV rights deal that this has an effect on EBITDA? That is profit. She said, "No, it didn't make any difference." We're well, we we were thrilled thrilled with our with our deal with with NBC Universal, but it doesn't really have any effect on profit. Meaning that this wasn't this this either was such a small deal to begin with that whatever change we made to it didn't really matter that much. Didn't really change our overall financial picture, or it was a downgrade or whatever. This, this is not a big money deal. So. What happened here? Yes, we all know that that Triple H did fail, failed to win win the Wednesday Night War, and now he he's been you know sort of uh, morally exiled or whatever. Um, what really happened here, in my view, NXT was supposed to a win the Wednesday Night War, subdue AEW, failed to do that, but it was also supposed to attract big money. It did not do that. The New Deal had to be renegotiated. It did not do that, and Vince McMahon. Had to say, well, you, you didn't beat AEW, you didn't attract big TV rights money, you know, 
you were doing this wrestling vision with all your indie guys. I was I was going to I was tolerating it for that long because I thought maybe you could beat AEW. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could could draw some damn money. But you didn't do any, either of those. So therefore. It's time for 2.0. And uh, I don't know, really, a, a lot of the the big stories of 2021 kind of do center around NXT. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We had we've got it on the screen here and uh, I had to make the text pretty small because there's 79 wrestlers this year. At least se- I might may maybe maybe we missed some here. 79 wrestlers who were released from WWE in the year of 2021. Um, I don't know that we need to list all of them. Um, but yeah, we can go through no, the time. I, we can go through the timeline here if you like. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think like the, the biggest, you know, you know, in, in January, it was just something like Glow Sullivan, February's big show, Steve Cutler, March 21st was Andrade, but April was, I think the first big one. And the most notable on that, those April releases was probably uh Chelsea green, Mickey James, Samoa Joe, uh, in May, we had some releases mostly from the NXT roster. Uh, June 2nd, big name releases, including Aleister Black, Braun Strowman, uh, Ruby Riot, Lana, and Buddy Murphy. Then June 25th, another mass release, a lot of talent that were part of the 205 Live show, uh, including Anthony Green and uh, Kurt Stallion. And, um, well, a- Anthony was known as August Gray. Uh, Tony Nese, Arya Davari, but Fandango and Tyler Breeze were also released in that. July 31st, which might be the biggest one of the year, uh, probably uh, Bray Wyatt. August 2nd, Ric Flair. August 6th, uh, big group releases, mostly NXT talent, including Bobby Fish uh, and Mercedes Martinez and more. November 4th, which uh, this, so this is what happened while the, uh, conference of the earnings call was going on right after and the earnings this call. In, yeah, right after. Yeah. And this included Eva Marie, Nia Jax, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, uh, Carrie and cross among others, Scarlet Bordeaux. And then November 19th, we have more releases. Isaiah Swerve Scott and John Morrison were probably the biggest names out of that as well as Tegan Knox. And then just recently, December 9th, Jeff Hardy. Yes. Uh, some, the biggest surprises here to me, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, Nia Jax. Um, Jeff Hardy was kind of a surprise, but, you know, considering Jeff Hardy's rocky past with the WWE, it's not that big of a surprise. Um, Samoa Joe is one name on here who was re-signed later in the year. Uh, that's that's worth mentioning, I suppose. Uh, became NXT champion, and then the NXT 2.0 launch happened, and mysteriously he vacated the title. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I don't I don't know what Samoa Joe's status is with the company. He's clearly doing something. He's doing something in terms of being a, a trainer or scout or something. I see him in pictures sitting at a table with uh with William Regal and, and other executives sort of uh, evaluating talent. Um so he's clearly got some position. But um he seems my my impression was that he was a triple H guy and definitely not a Vince guy. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah. So yes. April fifteenth. W released 10 people, May 20th. Uh, so this is all following. This is all following that the announcement of that new deal with NXT, probably a, you know, a, a z- zero gain deal or at least a disappointing deal or whatever. They released 10 wrestlers. A month later, they released six developmental wrestlers. A few weeks later, they released six, six main roster wrestlers, including Braun Strowman. July 1st, according to PW Insider, Vince McMahon, along with, along with his deputies, 
Nick Khan, Bruce Pritchard, John Laurinaitis, they visit the WWE Performance Center. Uh, I don't really have details about what happened there, but clearly there was something happening there. Vince apparently does not visit the WWE Performance Center regularly, so this was an exceptional situation. Um, anyway, moving on, later that month, uh, at the end of the month, they released Bray Wyatt. On August 6th, they released 12 developmental wrestlers. Uh, and then September 8th, September 8th, W puts out a press release disclosing that Executive Vice President of Global Strategy and Development, Paul Levesque, suffered a cardiac event, appeared to have you know, some, some sort of heart issue. We don't know. We've uh, seen Paul Levesque walk in a, in, a, in a, I think it's like a TikTok video, walking through the new headquarters. Mm-hmm. So he's still around, still, still employed, still working. But he had some sort of health issue, and then on September fourteenth, you know, we and we had heard uh, during a, an interview that uh, Nick Khan did with Ariel Helwani right before SummerSlam that NXT was going to be relaunched, whatever that meant, and we would come to learn that on September fourteenth, NXT two with the uh, the performance you know full sale the full sale sale era is now in the past, and they're taping NXT right in the Performance Center, which probably makes sense from a financial standpoint. Why why pay money to be at full sale, when you you have this facility that you're you're maintaining anyway, uh, run TV right out of there, paint the walls white, everything. No no more Wolfenstein NXT, no more black and gold, no more Harley Davidson look, no more Karrion Cross era. Now we are in the Nickelodeon GAC era of NXT uh, with Braun Braun Breaker, um, and that 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 drew some some decent ratings for the first two weeks. Ratings went up a bit. But ratings are now doing among their lowest total viewership and key demo viewership uh, in the history of NXT on the network um, in, in recent weeks. Um, although, granted, I'll grant you that NXT did have to go head-to-head with some NFL football this week. Uh, but, it, but it did similar numbers in the weeks before. Um, they released a slew of wrestlers in November. As you already mentioned, you sort of highlighted through who they were releasing. And then on December 2nd, WWE announces an NIL program, which throughout college sports is known as the name image and likeness program but in wwe it will forever be known as next in line next in line i had to think for a second yes next in line where they've then announced their first set of signees which we talked about last week uh before those were even announced though they they signed gable steveson in a similar deal uh the olympic gold medalist so a total revamping of not just what NXT is as a television program, but a revamping of how they recruit talent, what they value in talent. No more indie wrestlers. Although you, you, you did point out to me, WWE did, did just do a trial with a number of performers, yeah. talent, talent who have wrestling experience. So my you know, uh, speculation that they would have no more interest in, in people with actual wrestling background, perhaps too strong. Uh, so maybe they will be signing pe- some people who fit their criteria or whatever, fit their vision, uh, who have wrestling experience, but more of a focus on people who have an athletic background, uh, people who are under 30, maybe even under 25, uh, more of a focus on tall people. I mean, Vince understandably doesn't want all these short people coming up to his program. I mean, it's been proven time and time again that short people don't draw money. Or at least Vince doesn't like them. So, you know, why, 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 why continue to hire these people and uh, yeah. allow them to, to be in prominent positions when, when you can have um, people like, like Braun Strowman, who basically didn't do much of anything, at least on television and NXT and just bring him right to TV. Um, but I think there really is something to that in, in terms of Vince McMahon's psychology is that he, I mean, look, I think Braun Strowman almost um, 
Babatunde. What's uh, what, what? What? Who? What, he's with Apollo Cruz. What's his name? Uh, Commander uh, Aziz. Commander I, I, Aziz. I, yeah, Aziz. Yep. Yeah, Aziz. Yeah. These p- people who are very tall, who, who Vince probably looks at and goes, "God damn, he's so tall." And and I can do something with this guy. And and what what benefits these these people, I think, and perhaps way more complicated than this. Somebody who knows more about this and is actually in the weeds could could correct me. They're not products of Triple H's NXT. Vince gets to have all the credit. I made him. And I think that's really important. Um, and now I think there'll be a little This makes sense to do what they're doing if Vince is this immovable object, which he is. This, this fits more of what Vince wants and what Vince proclivities are, even though they don't, rec- even though they don't reflect what the market needs, wants. Um, but he's, he's going to project his taste onto the market, and, and that's the way it's going to be for as long as he's alive. Yep. We're about to have the singles run of Omos. And, uh, and I think the biggest thing with that is, is he's somebody that he's tall. Yes, he's been- oh, my God. He's so tall. Never. Never showed up on an NXT TV show. God, but he's tall. Have you seen how tall he is? <laughs> oh. And you put him, put, him, put, him, put him next to that pit bull AJ Styles. Oh, he looks even taller. <laughs> In any event. Oh, this might have been your best year for Vince McMahon impressions. Uh, but uh, um, as we wrap up, we want to move on to Google Trends, Brandon. Just quickly, uh, some... Thoughts, which admittedly I will be relying heavily on Google Trends to to, to support these opinions. <laughs> uh, who are the big winners and losers? Uh, people will freak out if I say loser, but so you know, I mean, Ring of Honor. Uh, we got just a couple logos here on the you know, few logos on the on the screen. I just want to talk briefly about some companies uh, who gained in terms of their, their buzz, their trajectory, their interest among consumers. Okay. That's basically what I want to say. Who gained and who lost interest among consumers. One way that we can mm, test to see for some idea of what's happening there, interest among consumers is to look at Google trends. And what I've got on the screen right now, it are the year over year changes in web search in the United States for some, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine wrestling brands, AEW, Impact, New Japan, GCW, MLW, NWA, Ring of Honor, Stardom, and WWE. So it's not worldwide. This is US. And we will look at Japan in a moment to isolate Japanese companies. Um, <clears throat> but who gained? In web search, year over year, in 2021, this is through November, looking at the year prior, because December is not finished yet. We'll look at December in a few days here when, when the year is over. Um, but AEW up 31%. GCW more than doubling. MLW up 87%. Now, granted, that's that's up from a year where they didn't do much in 2020. Uh, but they are up even from the year before that, it looks like. I think that's how the math works out here. Um, Ring of Honor up 14%, probably just because they made news. Um Stardom is actually down 4% from last year, but they're probably boosted by uh, a lot of searches happening related to the death of Hanakamura. Um, Impact, essentially unchanged, down 3%. New Japan, essentially unchanged, down 3%. After two consecutive years where they were down by a lot, uh, 25% and down 36%. Uh, WWE down 19% for the second year in a row. Uh, these are tea leaves. 
I will now read them. Uh, who gained in, in momentum in this year on a very small scale relative to the others? GCW. Um, MLW broke ground on a lot of media platforms. I'm not all that optimistic about MLW's future, considering what happened with the with the ratings and the performance and the ratings on, on Vice, where they did not uh, do better than what usually airs in that time slot after Dark Side of the Ring on the one instance that they were on uh, Vice. We'll see what happens in the future, though. Uh, who else gained? That's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm reading the tea leaves here. Uh, who who lost momentum? It's not who lost profit. Lord knows, W is more profitable than ever. They're going to be more profitable than ever uh, when they when they announce their uh, their Q4 and full year 2021 earnings report, probably in early February or late January. More profitable than ever this year. They'll be more profitable than that year. Year following, probably. But WE, consumer interest, W lost a little bit, maybe quite a bit. Um, Ring of Honor, I think the, this positive delta that we've got for Ring of Honor and Google, Google Web Search is driven by the news of Ring of Honor's demise. And a little bit in terms of gain from the prior year because the pandemic was just a, a, it's almost a complete downtime for them. Um, New Japan continues to not to not repair itself in, in terms of the ground that they lost in trying to be a, a global brand. Um, so let's look at, since we're talking about new Japan, let's look at just Japan web search for new Japan, stardom, all Japan, DDT, dragon gate, all one word, dragon gate and Noah. Um, who's up here more than anybody is stardom for the third straight year. Um, stardom continues to gain ground as a, as a brand that people are searching for doing related searches. Remember, Google Trends is not just, I'm not just testing how much people are searching for, for example, stardom, but Google Trends puts this bucket of related search terms together that in its algorithmic wisdom, it thinks are related. Um, so stardom continues to be a strengthening brand in my view. I don't know about finances. That's another story. Uh, but uh, New Japan is up in Japan 5% from last year, a year in 2020 when it was down 14%. So I think my my, my read is that New Japan is is you know, considering the pandemic happened, it's pretty much flat. In the United States, it's dropped tremendously. Um, all Japan, DDT, Dragon Gate are all down by du double digits. Uh, Noah is up 11%. So Noah strengthening a bit. New Japan flat. The others down. That is all Japan, DDT, Dragon Gate down and stardom up. Um, so the winners, AEW, GCW, maybe MLW, stardom, a little bit Noah relative to the, where they were in recent years. Um, who's lost momentum in this year? Don't at me, not in finances, but WB has lost some consumer momentum in this year. Still, still, yes, I guess there's momentum still towers above everybody else. They can't even see everybody else down there. They're so big. I know, I know. But anyway, uh, who lost momentum? WB, Ring of, Ring of Honor. In the United States, New Japan continues to not regain the momentum that it lost. Impacts flat. Impact's ratings have not been great lately. Uh, and apparently New Japan, DET, and Dragon Gate, although I defer to the greater experts of, of Japanese pro wrestling on that. So there's that. All right. And uh, we're going to move on. And I have a question for you, Brandon. Okay. We did have a super chat. Is... Should we mention that real quick? Oh. Now that we're fine. We did. Tim, yeah, I believe. If, you, if you want us. Tim, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, I'll, I'll read it because it denigrates you. Tim B. <laughs> contributes generously a $5 super chat. He says, I'll use the super chat feature, not because Gullo said, but because I like Brandon 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Tim. Thank you very much for your super chat. Uh, Merry Christmas, Tim. I will say Merry Christmas as well. <laughs> uh, but I do have a question for you, Brandon. Okay. My question is, what can the wrestling business learn from the success of Yellowstone and Succession? So what we have here. So you have you have not been watching Succession, I heard. No, I, I have friends. I, have, it, 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 I will get to it. Mm-hmm. Only so much time in the in the in the Gulliver's. So, so what, what, what can we learn from Succession? Yellowstone will surprise you to say I'm not going to go over how the characters of Succession may reflect certain characters in the pro wrestling business. That one can certainly imagine how they do, though. Um, but you have been watching Yellowstone, Chris Gullo. Is that is that not correct? I, I just started watching a few, just a few episodes in the first season. But uh, I started watching Yellowstone because I have interest in the prequels. So I okay. figured I'd watch okay. the main series. Without looking at the next slide, which which I don't know if you already have looked at. Which program do you think does better TV ratings? I would say Yellowstone because it would be a more homes. Okay. Why is it? Oh, yeah, that's true. True. Very true. Because HBO is a premier service. Yes. Okay. So what we have here, we're going to look. Is we've got the entire P1849 history, courtesy of Showbiz Daily, for the ratings uh, for for Yellowstone and for Succession. Which program do you hear more about, though? Probably Succession. Mm-hmm. I hear way more about Especially Succession. Especially on Twitter. I didn't know what Yellowstone was until like a month ago. But anyway... 18 to 49. We're not even gonna not even, not even gonna mess with P2 Plus here. We'll just look at 18 to 49, because maybe 18 to 49 is more favorable to succession. It would be my presumption. I haven't looked, but but anyway. Um Yellowstone primarily airs on Paramount, which is the former Spike Network. Uh, and of course, Succession airs primarily on, on HBO. And and Yellowstone, just let's let's say this past uh, December 19th, uh did a one point three six demo rating what does raw do for a reference like a point three eight ish right i think was it last what what does smackdown do for for a demo rating roughly lately point four eight right point five some some i think this year they've done point some point sixes point six oh paramount just on i'm sorry yellowstone just on paramount did a one point six or i'm sorry one point three six that's let's put that in real real viewers uh the the universe is is about 1305 so 1305 times 1.36 1.8 million viewers in the demo wow how many view how many how many viewers in the demo does dynamite do or raw or smackdown do you know um it, it's it would be roughly what like 400,000 ish 500 raw does like, raw for, i mean for, Raw is doing its all-time lows here, but Raw does a, a, a little over half a million in the demo. Um, yeah, Dynamite usually does under half a million, so SmackDown does better than than Raw even. So maybe like six hundred, seven hundred thousand in the demo. Uh, Succession, I'm sorry, Yellowstone, one point eight million viewers for the most recent episode of of, of Yellowstone. Um, now, if we look at the something's happening here though that i'm not really aware of but that that yellowstone is apparently being simulcast on the cmt network in addition to paramount and sometimes they're also simulcast on pop what looks to be the season premiere was simulcast not just on paramount but on cmt and pop the former home of impact and on tv land where it did a grand total 1.84 demo rating 2.4 million viewers just in the demo for its premiere what does Succession do in the demo? 
what does succession do in the demo, Chris Gull? Give, give me one of those numbers uh, on the chart for, for one yeah, of I mean, programs. most recently they're doing it around 0.12 most yeah. recently. Those are some and NXT they're... numbers. Those are some NXT numbers right there is what those are. Now, I know everybody's probably yelling, yelling, yelling at, the, at, their, at their podcast speaker right now. But what about the streaming? Uh, I, I, I will grant you that. I would imagine that um, HBO Max is a much more subscribed to service than Paramount Plus or wherever you can watch Yellowstone on streaming. I imagine that the percentage of people who are watching Succession through streaming is greater than the percentage of people who are watching Yellowstone through streaming. Even taking that into consideration, though, the live same day viewership in the demo is, let's you know, let's just how many times greater is Yellowstone than than uh, Succession here? Uh, let's take one point five three, which is what it did on the nineteenth, and divide that by point one three. That's that's almost twelve times. Twelve times the viewership in the demo. Yellowstone is um, being just- watched. Yes. Just real quick about Yellowstone, you know where you can catch up on previous seasons, and I should know this because I've been doing it. Peacock, I forgot oh. it was on Peacock. Okay, so what does any of this have to have to do with with pro wrestling? I'll, I'll get to it in a moment. So we'll go right. Our conclusion here is that Yellowstone is massively watched. Succession does NXT numbers, and uh, but I hear way more about Succession. I only learned very recently what Yellowstone even was. And it's not like this is just a program that just debuted this year in 2021 Yellowstone and wasn't doing pretty good ratings in, in the years before in 2020, they were, they were not doing as strong ratings as they're doing now, but they were doing, they were still blowing away what succession was over the same time period by multiples. But if you look, look at now, let's look at the Google trends though. So maybe, maybe, you know, streaming, maybe streaming activity is sort of reflected in the Google trends, but no, so Google trends are still, you know, uh, Yellowstone's way above succession in the Google trends in the United States. Oh, this is worldwide, actually. United States is similar, though. I looked at it. And if you look at the, the regional breakdown, if we isolate this by city, where do you see superior interest in succession rather than Yellowstone? I mean, it, north the northeast is very succession. Yeah. Where, where, so, so the east coast. Yep. And where, where, where do you see a couple other blue dots for succession? Uh. Seattle and people that and uh when, oh Los Angeles is that what that I, I it's, it's like right San, under the red San Francisco dot, so. San Francisco San Francisco um, okay so this is a coastal thing that we're you know on 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 the the east coast certainly uh, according to this data and on the west coast somewhat it, there's superior interest in succession over Yellowstone um and that probably results in this disproportionate media coverage for succession um what does this have anything to do with with wrestling as you as maybe you're guessing i in, in some ways there's there's an analog here for yellowstone being kind of like wwe and succession being kind of like AEW in terms of our media world by media i mean like news media and the things that that we, we're doing here um what you what what I see in terms of our numbers and what I, th- I think other podcasts and other wrestling media see in terms of their numbers is not that much interest in WWE, more interest in AEW. Um, when, when there's a big AEW rating, you know, what, what are, what are the most watched um, YouTube videos of live TV ratings talk? It's when AEW edged out raw in the demo live same day 
and the other time that it edged out raw on the demo live same day. Uh, this past live TV ratings talk was was the most watched in a long time, coinciding with when AEW hit a million viewers for the first time since since uh, early October. So there's there's this there's this segment of people who are disproportionately interested in this thing relative to the population generally. Um, WWE still has WWE still still beats. I mean, it's 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 a it's a far more comparable margin in in, in the key demo. Uh, AW and NWR versus Yellowstone and uh, Succession. Uh, WB is not twelve times higher than than, than Dynamite in the demo. Uh, even if even if we compare uh, uh, SmackDown to Rampage, like perhaps WB executives want want us to. Um, well, maybe that's that's maybe three times. SmackDown's probably tripling Rampage in the demo. Um, certainly not twelve times uh, or ten times or anything like that. So. There's just, I, there, there is a phenomenon that we see reflected in other more general entertainment media worlds. In that, I mean, look at the look at the center of the country or or average people. The typical person is far more interested in Yellowstone than they are in Succession. Um, even though Succession will perhaps win more awards at big fancy award shows, um, Succession will get more pieces written about it in the New Yorker uh, than Yellowstone will. Um, when the, when the wrestling observer newsletter awards come out, you know, who's going to sweep them and you know, who's not, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tony Khan probably wins promoter of the year again. Um, maybe AW wins promotion of the year, you know, who's going to win worst wrestling program of the year, probably raw or something. Um, so it's just, uh, there is, one of the big things that I think we we wrestle with, no pun intended, here is is like, and I and I think we we lack the vocabulary to deal with it because the the common nomenclature is the hardcore fan, the casual fan, and and that's 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 so in, insufficient for what we're trying to talk about. There is the more general fan, or there's there's hardcore fans on Twitter of WB. They're in, they're they're yelling at me all the time. They're certainly not 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 hardcore they're hardcore as it gets um but there's clearly you know if you look at the web search you look at the tv viewership there's still superior interest in wb over AEW, even though in in our audience our audience world there's more interest in, in AEW. um so i don't know did we learn something there i don't know i hope so i, I it's i mean it it was a very uh adventurous uh comparison and it all makes sense Mm-hmm. The way your brain ticks, Brandon, it's very interesting. I would have never thought, hey, let's compare these two shows, you know? To be let's fair, I, I, I should bring up that they didn't compare it to WNAW, but uh, this was brought up, I think, on Peter Kafka's podcast, uh, Recode Media, where they were pointing out that there's this lack of, um, there's this disproportionate coverage, media attention given to succession, while Yellowstone is just crushing it in the ratings. All right. All right, uh, because of the holiday. Give me some fast affiliates. Fast affiliates. What we got? Yes, we got what nothing because of the holiday. Fast, what about fast nationals? Did anybody report the fast nothing nationals? Nothing because of the holiday. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I'm not sure what's happening here. Um, yeah, there's there's going to be some holiday delays uh, for for Nielsen for ratings coming out. Um, I'm not sure. I, ha- I have to write a report about what exactly the um, the delays are. So I've been given some information about that. Um, it probably wouldn't be 
very, very helpful for me to say this in audio because it will write, write through everybody's one ear and out the other. So I'll, I'll write a report for that. I mean, it's, it's on Showbiz. Showbiz is already reported as well. But um, basically, the the, uh, the Friday ratings will be available on Tuesday morning. Um, so SmackDown and Rampage, we will get on Tuesday morning. Uh, I guess I am going to say it then. Raw, we will get on Wednesday morning, the Monday ratings. NXT, the Tuesday ratings, we will get on Wednesday afternoon. So then we will be back to the regular schedule by Wednesday afternoon. And then Dynamite, we will get on Thursday afternoon as usual. But then we got to deal with New Year's holiday. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't realize this, that SmackDown is airing on FS1 on Friday. That will be out on Tuesday. Rampage, also a Friday program, will be out on Tuesday morning. Those are both Tuesday morning. And then Raw will be delivered Wednesday morning. And then normal delivery resumes in the new year uh, on Wednesday afternoon for the Tuesday ratings, including NXT. So there's that. Um, Yeah. That has to be a uh, college football game if they're being preempted. Okay. Um, Yeah. Actually, no, it'll be New Year's Eve. So it'll be be the New Year's Eve bash or whatever they air. Right. That's actually, yeah, that'd probably be what's preempted. Yeah. So, um, Real quick, YouTube, if you just want to kind of break down the last seven days on YouTube. Oh, my God. We've been videos. going for two hours here. This is the longest. Yes. This is the longest ever in the tenure of of, uh, of Chris Gull. We still got I. stuff to cover. <laughs> well, it's the end of a year. We're wrapping up a year. All right. Quickly, YouTube. I, I am re I, I have uh, reconfigured the way in which I capture this data. So you may have noticed in the past we have been talking about let's count the views after 16 hours. Now we are counting the YouTube views after 24 hours. And now I'm not just counting WB and AEW. Maybe maybe um leaving out New Japan or NWA or MLW maybe they would rank highly here. Uh we are we are including all these Japanese companies. I think I'm including CMLL uh AAA is still geo blocked in the United States because of their their legal dispute with uh, Lucha FMV apparently. Um we're looking at all sorts of Japanese companies here including New Japan, both global and uh, their Japanese channel. But uh Noah, DDT, Dragon Gate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Suffice to say in the top 25 it's still only WB and AEW. The most watched video after 24 hours in the last 7 days. Uh consider this beta. Maybe maybe I'm leaving something out. Once once we get a little bit more time behind us, I'll be more confident in saying that, yes, this is the total picture. I'm, I'm fairly confident that this is, though. But anyway, number one video after seven days this week was the top 10 moments of Raw with over 800,000 views. Uh, the number two moment was, God damn, almost he's so tall. And AJ Styles, uh, their, their team descending into Bedlam on Raw as after they lost to the Mysterios. Also over 800,000 viewers, but number two. Um, number three... The first AEW video on the list. There's no disputing that debut. <laughs> Get it? Get it? That that's the the video debuting uh, the video highlighting the the debut of um, Kyle O'Reilly, former member of the Undisputed Era, along with uh, Adam Cole and Bobby Fish. Uh, and then we have Christmas themed stipulation matches, a WWE playlist, Big E and Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens from Raw. That did over 600,000 views after 24 hours. Number six, another AEW v- uh, video. This might be the coolest entrance of 2021. I have no idea what that is. That, that's from Dynamite. What would that be? Uh, uh, g- g- you're going to have to Google and we unfortunately can't yeah. copy. This I'll, might I'll, be the, cool, the coolest entrance, AEW YouTube. And then... 
oh, this is this is the uh, the entrance of of uh, CM Punk and Sting with the face paint on. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. They 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 leave a lot of questions in in their in their video titles. I, I have no idea if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Rescio. Uh, Paul Heyman ponders his career is next with over half a million views. Liv Morgan gives Becky Lynch a kendo stick and dares her to enter the ring. Uh, th- so this is the actual segment from Raw, not not the uh, the much lauded uh, pre tape segment. Uh, have you seen that, by the way? They're they're yes. Yeah. No, enough said about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, relive <laughs> the exciting career of Paul Heyman from SmackDown with over half a million. And then the, then just under a half a million. Number 10 the last one. We'll we'll list Ms. And Maurice execute a plan to take down edge on the cutting edge. Um, yeah. And I think I have the Excel spreadsheet open here. It, we have to scroll down. I'll put it on the screen. Uh, we have to, to. So when do we finally get to the point where we're looking at videos that are not WWE or AEW videos? Uh, number 70. We finally get a New Japan video with after 24 hours, 49,000 views. And I'm not sure what that is. It's it's in Japanese. Uh, what does it say? Shichuishun. I don't I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's it's a fighting talk. Something from fighting talk for for New Japan. These are only videos that are posted this week and after 24 hours. Uh, we do get some Noah in here in the in at number 76. Uh, we get some impact finally at number 97. Yeah. It's so these lists, uh, the most watched YouTube views as far as stuff that is newly posted is overwhelmingly dominated by WWE and AEW. And most of that is WWE with some, some AEW, you know, the number three video this week and the number six video this week were, were, um, AEW. Something else I want to follow is we can look at social blade which counts the total video view count that's available that you, that's viewable on your about page of your YouTube channel. That counts all of the video views that you gained across your channel. And what I want to look at, and we're not really prepared to look at it this week is, you know, of all of these views that they gained for their new content this week, what percentage of all of their gained views is new content? Um, it appears to be a pretty small percentage for WWE just because they have this massive library of, of YouTube views of YouTube videos, excuse me, that's always collecting additional views and, and making them some, some YouTube money. So that's something we'll, we'll look at in the future because, you know, people want, want me to point out that yes, WWE is doing multiple times more YouTube views than AEW is in any given period of time. Although they are much closer when you only look at the newest content. All right, uh, and we're going to move into our last story of of the show. Yeah, and uh, regarding Pro Wrestling Tees, and this report was from our colleague John Pollock at PostWrestling.com, Pro Wrestling Tees had a security breach recently and sent out a physical letter to certain customers informing them of the breach. The letter was posted online noting that PWTs was notified on November 1st by law enforcement that a small portion of the con- customer's credit card numbers had been compromised. After an investigation, the company believes it was a malware virus that was the source of the breach and has been removed from its system. The letter was the letter posted was signed by PWT's owner Ryan Barkin, and that also included information on obtaining identity theft protection that they are offering. It also stated the following in the letter posted online. 
Again, at this time, there's no evidence that your information has been misused. However, we encourage you to take full advantage of this service offering. There has been a criticism of the company not addressing this breach through their social channels, and there's no announcement of the breach on its Twitter account. We were informed by one person at the company that the IDX number attached or email attached to those letters are legally the only people who can talk about the security breach due to laws when it comes to cybersecurity. A search of the PWT's breach on Twitter brings a lot of results from users complaining about the handling of the breach, with additional questions given PWT's involvement with AEW merchandise and why they didn't contact people quicker electronically than with physical letters. There's also a Twitter thread with users noting amounts that appeared in their credit cards of purchases they did not make. Yes. Uh, do you have a, a pro wrestling tea store, Chris Gallo? I don't. I got denied a while back, and I didn't try again. You got denied? Yeah, I sent out stuff, and I just never hear back. Um, maybe because I was applying as a ring announcer. I know wrestlers pretty much get good to go. So, oh. uh, but so, I, th- this was a year. So you would ago, like so. to have. You would like to have a store. You would have would have yes. liked to have a store. Okay. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've personally, I've never, I've never applied. Um, we, we are working on some merchandise that will be released through, um, through whatever post wrestling uses and they do not use pro wrestling tees. They, I believe they're using Shopify, something like that. Um, but anyway, just to be upfront, we don't have any interest in, you know, you know, financial interest in, in pro wrestling tees. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's something that AEW is very involved in. AEW's merchandise, best I can tell is like completely run by, uh, pro wrestling tees. Uh, the, shop it's not it's not w shop right so it's shop aew shop aew is essentially yeah a pro wrestling tees store um we're, we're missing the bills game right now but anyway um but Be- Be- belichick i'm being texted belichick belichick it has full sleeves right now on the sideline um oh wow but anyway um yeah pro wrestling tees uh learned about this apparently in early november did not email or otherwise electronically, digitally notify its customers, but through mail notified its customers. Did you get, have you bought things from PWT, Skull? Yeah, uh, I was the subscriber to the Pro Wrestling Crate for a while. What, like a long time and, ago uh, or when? Uh, I most recently probably stopped getting it early 2021. Hmm. So, yeah. So who knows if your data was compromised? You didn't, you didn't, didn't receive a letter. You, you didn't receive a letter, though. No. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I wonder if they calculated and I'm sure there's legal aspects to this, but uh, I wonder if they calculated that, you know, uh, well, if we email everyone, everyone's going to screenshot their email and put it on Twitter and we have a very online customer base and we don't want to endure that heat. But um, as difficult as it is, it's always, you know, in basically every situation, it's always better to be upfront and transparent about whatever problems are going on rather than to wait and piss people off later. So. All right. All right. So uh, with that, that that is a another edition, a long but fun edition of WrestleNomics Radio. Next we week will be a shorter program, day. hopefully. Um Thank you all for for listening and and if you're watching on YouTube for watching on YouTube if you are watching on YouTube hit the hit the thumbs up that really helps us if you think people more people should watch WrestleNomics I do uh, hit the hit the thumbs up that helps people discover our our podcast uh, share it with people that helps as well hit the subscribe button if you haven't already um, also on the YouTube channel 
There is a live TV ratings talk every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern right here on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, uh, available to watch immediately after. Patrons get access to the audio immediately after if you find it easier uh, as, a, as a thing to listen to instead of watch uh, on YouTube. You can also go to the Post Wrestling Discord, and there is a WrestleNomics channel there where you can discuss with others the wrestling business. Um, and as always, the uh, WrestleNomics radio podcast is distributing cooperation with our friends at uh, Post Wrestling. And uh, we, we've just joined, uh, when was it? November 1st, I think is when we made the announcement. Um, yeah. But yeah. And they've been, they've been great partners. They've been everything I could have ever imagined and more um, in terms of just helping us reach more people than ever. Um, helping us with, with merchandise, which is coming up next year. Um, it's, it's, it's been great. And I learned, so we were on the post wrestling Christmas show which is this something like five hour podcast with all these, you know, people who are related to the post wrestling family uh, coming in and out and talking with John and way. And there's a jingle contest as part of that. And, uh, and now the, the long game of, of wrestling moving to post wrestling can finally be revealed is that now we've got Brad, the archivist from from the post wrestling world, uh, you know, involved here. and, And hopefully he's, he's, Counting whatever my verbal ticks are, how many times I say there's that and things of that nature uh, in any event and so forth and all the other Vince McMahonisms that I have uh, uh, internalized. Um, but Brad, the archivist, made a, po- made a made a WrestleNomics themed Christmas jingle, which we will play uh, for the closing credits today. So that that was wonderful. Um, what plugs do you have, Chris Cole? Um, this Wednesday will be the newest episode of Rediscovering the Indies. You can check it out on RTI Pod and Twitter, Rediscovering Indies, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, for links on that. But, uh, the Ring of Honor CCW feud, which I'll be recording this evening. So I'm going to be doing a lot of podcasting. Today. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. You can, if you're not already a subscriber, you can subscribe to WrestleNomics on Patreon at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You get access to my TV ratings reports that come out nearly every weekday. You get access to the giant WrestleNomics spreadsheet that has over 20,000 data points, TV viewership data across various demos going all the way back to late 2014. You get other content as well. Like I mentioned, the uh, the audio-only versions of the live TV ratings talk. You never know what else is going to be out there. I've reporting quarter hours. If you want to want to know quarter hours across all the various demos, those are usually reported by me too, uh, at least for AEW programs and other W programs when I get them. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Brandon Thurston, at Chris Gullo, at RTI Pod, and at WrestleNomics. Um, thanks to everybody for supporting WrestleNomics in 2021. It's been a, I think we've grown a lot in this year. We've added, we've added Chris Gullo here. Chris Gullo, by the way, if you didn't notice at the very beginning of this program, big, 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 big WrestleNomics moment for him. Where I've, I have, I, I, I am in many ways. I realize I'm like Vince McMahon in some frightening ways. In that I have to control everything. It's all about control. I, I am relinquishing some control here. Where I, I let Chris Gullo do the roll call of topics today. I think that went well, and we will, we will, we will let him do that again in the future. So, <laughs> in the future, yes. So, thanks to everybody for supporting and listening. Thanks to Chris Gullo for joining the WrestleNomics universe permanently in 2021. Thanks to Jason Umpresser for writing our articles on WrestleNomics.com. Thanks to Phil Chertok for giving me a lot of technical assistance and advice this year. And uh, yeah. And thanks to everyone at Post Wrestling, including John Pollock and Wei Ting, for uh, helping us reach more people than ever. So we will talk to everyone next time. Bye. <laughs>
you boys ready to sing about pro wrestling business? You know we are. Yeah, let's sing it out. Okay, John. Okay. Okay, Chris. Okay. Okay, Brandon. 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 John, good use of the DJ Joe Pro voice. Chris, great use of that ring announcer voice. Brandon, use that wrestling promo voice. Brandon? Brandon! Explained it 